The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. To the short side. Before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you. Hi, Rob. Zeeds here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score! You're very welcome to the Hard Yards. <laughs> I'm Andy McGeady. Mike McCarthy has just done a front roll across the studio. I've managed to dig my way out of the family home to be with you here. James Downey here is too. How are you, Jimmy? Andy. Don't put that, that on now. Inter- <laughs> interesting start to the morning, my How are you, Mike? I'm good, thanks. Just currently moving house, so it's been a bit stressful. You look, um, you look limber. Yeah, no. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was in complete lockdown with the snow, so I was getting cabin fever for three days. Um, but uh, here yeah, we're getting there. Uh, so yeah, because I'm moving house, I had no. I had no broadband, had no sky for the last kind of five or six days. So my daughter's had the Little Mermaid and Frozen on repeat for three days. So it's been it's been pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. So they're the only yeah, two yeah. DVDs we left out and that they're the only ones she she'll watch. I wish really. you could I wish you could picture the grimace on Mike's face as he there's real pain, isn't there? Pain there. There's so pain. getting out to go for a forty minute walk was just amazing. Good man. So, yeah, so you're going back to Newcastle, yeah? That's it, yeah. Moving yeah. moving to the tune. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Don't worry, I'll be you. I'll be back and forth every every week, so can we stop him? We can catch up still. That's good. That is good. How did the snow treat you, Jimmy? Yeah, it was alright. Not too bad. Quiet enough, you know, you're at home and just dying to get out, aren't you? I think everyone's had enough of it now and you just wanna right done, move on. We decamped to uh the parents' house because yeah. my boiler's gone and four days of shoveling coal into a back boiler I really didn't want to uh, do that you have a bit of pain as well wait for me (laughs) shovel snow instead yeah no not good but obviously my shoulders are now huge yeah I was going to say you're you're working out I built a snowman as well with my daughter that was good that was good fun to be fair that was the highlight of the three days I took the young fella tobogganing down the road in an Ikea bag Ikea if you want to send us stuff for me mentioning that please do there was a nice little tale about Jonathan Davies over in Wales. There's the man doing a responsible thing in the snow. Yeah, no Ferrying fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To no, it's impressive, hospital. wasn't it? Yeah. I think he got his... Uh, You've got a 4x4, four four, haven't you, Joe? Uh, no, I love one, though. No. I love one. Is love that the one he keeps in his garage and just yeah. polishes? <laughs> yeah, I wish now. I don't know, you're probably still on a IRFU car, are you? Oh, no, no, like, no. Uh, cash guy. Oh. Cash guy, so... Yeah. Sponsored? No, no, not sponsored. That, that all goes, doesn't it, when you retire, so... Yeah, yeah. Gym, what, what, gym what does happen? happen? Do they, just, they just arrive at the front door and say, "Give me the car." <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. it's like the Grim Reaper comes around. You get your car taken. You get your gym membership's gone. Uh, your twenty percent discount for coffees is gone. Um, you don't get you don't get any free <laughs> any yeah. free food anymore. Any discount of food is like so I have to pay for what? No plugging <laughs> stuff on social media. Yeah, yeah. Gyms are expensive too, aren't they? They are. Yeah. What are you saying? Just like <laughs> I haven't had to pay for a gym for <laughs> 15 years and then all of a sudden it's another expense yeah so it was a weekend without a lot of sport we were all watching Connacht Cheetahs yesterday I yeah. certainly was yeah so yeah no, there's I, rugby on yeah exactly I got um, Claremont La Rochelle yeah anything <laughs> anything going on yeah who's playing yeah I'll watch it yeah <laughs> that's not kids TV <laughs> I missed it actually the, the Connacht game yeah it was I good I didn't have Sky but uh yeah, because they lost they lost at home to Zebra, didn't they? Then 
you know, they got a really good win against Treviso, which is a tough place to play, Treviso at home, and then um, last minute kick, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was like it was a decent game, as most games down with the Cheetahs are when they're playing at home and whatever it was, 25, 30 degrees. Very nice. They could have got five points out of it, couldn't they? Yeah, easy. And so then one. <laughs> they could have. Connacht were very, very close to having just a magnificent result down there because mm. Cheetahs are good. If Connacht had won, that would have, they would have been only the second team to have won there, is down that right? There, yeah. Glasgow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ireland, Scotland. Battle of the back rows, right? So think back to when you were not a lock and playing a lot more six. You have two very good back rows who are muscling in on every breakdown. What do you do if you're Ireland to compete against that? Um, well, for, like first of all, looking at that England game, the I think they got nine turnovers uh, or poaching. So Barkley and Hamish Watson are you know a real big mm. threat at the breakdown. So no doubt Ireland will be in Carton House. You know, looking at footage of those two being an absolute nuisance at the breakdown. Um, you know, an Ireland's game is, is depends on quick ball from the breakdown. So you saw against France, the weather conditions mm. and the ref not reffing the breakdown, allowing them to flop <coughs> on top of the ball. Um, and as we said, it was it was pouring with rain. And then you see the difference against Wales, you know, good conditions, um, a ref who's reffing the breakdown properly and we, and we score five tries. Five, was it? Five. Yes. Yeah, five tries. So, um, you know, the, the ref... Make can make a huge difference to, you know how how many tries a team can score. So, um, but saying that, I don't think Wales go as hard as at the breakdown, and you know Scotland will be a big step up at the breakdown. Um, yeah, they 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 are a nuisance slowing the ball. Um, uh, so it's it's all about the the arrival at the breakdown. So the ball your ball carrier, and then the reaction of the the two guys clearing the rock. I suppose we, what we sometimes refer to it as is winning the space. So. Getting in there early before before they've got their hands uh, on the ball. Um, you know, if you're too late, it's it's virtually impossible to budge them. Especially Hamish Watson, who's so small and squat, it's very hard to get rid of him. So, yeah. and, and you're talking like you're going to have to needs to play against uh, John Barkley. You try and take him out before, nearly before he gets to the breakdown. You know, you try and just don't let him get anywhere near it. Don't wait till he's actually engaged. It's because it's 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 all over at that stage. And think with Watson as well. Just um, these back or these back rowers who can just get their hands in it and just completely ruin ball. And as as Mike rightly said, it's slow ball just kills Ireland really. You know, as you say, French France game wasn't wasn't the best at all for that. Like, and we just kind of struggle a little bit once we get speed to ball. But even it's one or two seconds that make a difference. Uh, but Mike made a good point there. It's about the referee as well. So some referees will allow you to get in and get your hands on that ball and fight for a little bit longer than others. So as Nigel Owens was reffing Scotland against England, he's fairly well known for not wanting to blow the whistle at times and just say, right, you lads, get on with it, fight amongst yourselves and I'll get involved if I really have to. It's Wayne Barnes in town this weekend. Is that, how different will that be if you're two back rows competing like that? Well, <laughs> I think it's, a, I, you know, I think it's a lot to do with the conditions because you know it's a, a team like Scotland playing in the playing in, in the rain. That that's when their back row, uh, you know, at their best. It's uh, I, I suppose that's the kind of game their back row want because they're so good at getting in over the ball and slowing the ball down. So you know, obviously depends on the ref, but you know, a lot of it is down to the conditions. So you know, hopefully the conditions will be good, and you know, like we can open up like we did against Wales. Ideally, you want to take the ref completely out of the equation, you know, and just 
it is what it is and it's speed of ball and hopefully everyone does their job at the breakdown and he won't have to get involved if the Scots get but in that, amongst that's it. That's the sort of thing you say in a press conference. Yeah, yeah no, but I was, but, but it is, but it, like it is because okay, if you want, okay, if you want to talk about Barnes, then you're going to say right, Wayne Barnes likes to be part of the show, the performance. I think, like, uh, I see him as a guy who. Now you uh, mean you mean that in a different way than a Nigel Owens one-liner? Yeah, but Nigel lets it flow, and yeah. like we've mentioned before on the show that um, Nigel Owens. Let's it play, okay? And you play, you play ref, and the analysis you actually do on the referees now is like seconds and on. Like you know, everything's done. What they're hot on, what their penalties are, what you can say, what you can do. You can speak back to some referees. I listen to you. Some you can't say anything in your march. So they have a big influence on the game. So the analysis will be done on Burns. He likes to be in control. Um, if you say anything, he's going to march you back ten. You know, so you're you're playing the referee. But if look, you, you can really just got to take him as much as you can. You do all the niceties that you have to do, but you don't want it to be about him, and you don't want him to make big decisions. And a lot, of, <coughs> sorry, a lot of the time he is involved in some of the big decisions that are, go on in games. I think do you remember the Wales scrum and against France and you know all the substitutions. Mm-hmm. I think that was him. It was yeah. But like he loves that. Like that's drama. He enjoys that sort of arena and a show and just you just don't want anything to happen like that but he'll hopefully can just negate him I know it's like as you say it's a bit of a kind of cliche to say just take the referee out but it is like especially someone like him Wayne, or Nigel will let it play fine grand you know what to do if he lets you away with it you get away with it, it gives you an inch you take it so so let's say we assume that it's Dan Levy has done enough to stay in the side I personally think he has but we'll see um, well, he's as good as, as that, the Scottish back row at slowing the ball and yeah. turnovers so. and then add yeah. Mr Armani to the mix very good at making life difficult for an opponent absolute nuisance yeah. Yeah. breakdown and de- line out defensively yeah, yeah. Nos. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Six noses on the pitch, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and CJ. So CJ is is not bad in there. He's more known for the rampaging carries, but he's not bad in there. So Ireland, you know, taking the referee out is one thing, but Ireland do have the players to take advantage if they want. Yeah, well, the, I think the worry for Scotland is they haven't they haven't won away in in Ireland since 2010. I think yeah. they've won once in. 20 years in Ireland so and they beat us last year so that's their yeah, lot so yeah. you know we, we're not going to be we owe them one so they, they beat us that first game what are you going to stop the bus somewhere yeah you're going to stop the <laughs> Scotland team bus um, like, like uh, coming out of their camp Gregor Townsend talking about you know like they've got a their waveform has to be better their first, the first game they been pretty heavily by Wales um, kind of they, they kind of went in as one of the favourites and then after that Wales game everyone was writing them off and then they had the good win against France where you know they, they, they showed really good heart because they went behind early on and they were they were behind for most 40-50 uh, minutes and then uh, came back to win that and then that great performance against England so you know like there's no doubt Ireland will be taking them extremely seriously uh, Gregor Townsend's been talking about they need to improve their away form um, but you know, I'm glad they. I glad, I'm glad they did beat England there because you know I don't like. I'm not sure why they don't get as much. I think they deserve more respect than they've got. They've certainly a lot better under Gregor Townsend, beating Australia away away from home, beating them at home, um, and then you know they came very close to beating the All Blacks at Murrayfield. So mm. um, you know they're they're, they're quality side. They're able, but they're able to produce these one-off performances I think you can, kind of, you can look back the way Ireland used to do it like you can always produce a one-off what's the All Blacks right we'll up our game or, or whatever and things suddenly change I do agree with you that I think um, Gregor's 
installed a, a kind of a sort of winning mentality and I think everyone expected a lot more uh, obviously I haven't seen how Glasgow played um, and they thought right this is going to be a seamless transition into international rugby but I think it's going to be an interesting one I do think away form like okay you can win at home you can produce it against the English you know in, in, one, in a one off game but now it's away from home in Ireland against a team who are favourites I'm, I'm completely agree with Mike I'm glad that they produced that win against England because one team's always due a performance so mm. it'll be in the back of their mind that they don't produce away from home that'll be hanging over them in the back of their minds perhaps um, but yeah I think look they're a decent side aren't they they've quality players all over the park well and as we said last week like it's important to remember that Scotland can win the championship <coughs> and it's not a theoretical thing if they beat Ireland it's a real thing because then they have a run chased mm-hmm. against Italy in the last day which Scotland are set up to chase points if they want to do that now um the lock decision. So Ian Henderson is coming back in. That's just happening. Who do you pick? Is it James Ryan or is it Devon Turner? We were here a few weeks ago, right? But now we've seen a couple of performances since. Um, eyes are all on you, Mike. Who are you picking? Um, well, you know, Dev, Dev and James Ryan played really well uh, last week against Wales. So you could stick with that and go for uh, having that kind of 100% security of, of winning your own line-out and disrupting their, their line-out. Um, you see Dev getting up at the tail, uh, you know, on, on the Welsh ball, really disrupting it. So, I mean, you could go with that, or but then obviously Hendy comes in and brings a whole different dimension of physicality, both defensively and with his carrying. So, I mean, Hendy, I'm sure, will be straight back in. So I, I'd probably go for the same formula as, you know, the France game. Um, that... Yeah, Hendy and James Ryan because you know they've both been playing phenomenally well, and then Dev, his experience to come off the bench, um, you know, it's, I, th- I think it's a great, um, I think it's a great mate. You could go with anyone really, but uh, yeah, there's no bad decision here. No, 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 no that's, all, that's a great yeah. problem to have. Isn't yeah, exactly, it? Like, you know, yeah. But I think because <clears throat> we mentioned the back row as well, uh, Henderson straight away come in there as well in terms of an extra back rower in there, and then. Um, it's interesting I, I might have thought maybe a bit kind of defensively that they might have gone with Dev just to kind of negate Johnny Gray a little bit perhaps in the line out but yeah. uh, take him he's a big player for them so but look I guess you've got to give uh, trust in the youth as they say and kind of go with James Ryan I'd like to see James Ryan and Henderson play and then mm, obviously you've got that experience of Dev coming on yeah just, but just on that just like it just shows the strength and depth in the squad at the moment. You know, like I think we mentioned it before on the podcast, but you know, the two, 2015 when we we beat France and then that quarterfinal, we lost all those big big players. You know, Paul Lee, Sean O'Brien, um, Jared Payne was out, Tommy Bow got injured straight away, uh, whatever. Um, you know, there was we've really got serious depth now. You saw. Um, Tyke Furlong getting injured and Andrew Porter coming in you know he was an absolute beast against Wales um, and same with Chris Farrell coming in getting man of the match it's just it's just phenomenal the the strength and depth is 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 ridiculous Chris Farrell's now gone out and you know Gary Ringrose is going to come in so well that's that so seems to be the working assumption but is it is it the safe assumption he hasn't played a lot of rugby he hasn't played a lot of rugby but still a quality player you know I think like completely agree with Mike again in terms of the the, the, the squad depth that we have now like mm. if we lost an O'Driscoll or something or whoever like a couple of years ago um, like we'd be like oh no who are we going to who are going to use or oh. if we lost Paulie or like the World Mike, Cup wait, showed wait, it or Mike Ross yeah and that was exactly yeah, yeah. Or, or even John, John Hayes, Hayes before him. yeah, yeah exactly. completely you, know, you lose these players and like oh, where do we go but now we have 
so many so many decent quality players like if we lost two centres in a row like we'd be scratching our heads like you know mm. um, we're going, oh, what are we going to do or we're going to have to maybe put Roger 12 or whatever like you know or bring in a 10-12 like you know but I do think look I think Ringrose back to Ringrose um, I'd com- <coughs> completely parachute him in um, would you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, he hasn't played much, much ball, but much ball. Like, <laughs> 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 he's worse than you. Yeah, yeah you're, you're like the kid now. So oh, yeah, he planted that same ball. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, completely. Um, he's defensively astute. He knows, he knows the position inside out. Otherwise, what are you looking to do? You're looking to maybe bring in Roy Scannell and play him at 12 and, and push, push Bundy, Bundy out. that's a lot of mess and the other one's Earls into the 13 Earls is the, is the one that <coughs> so there's a couple of things happening here because it isn't just uh, we've lost one centre it's like you say we've lost a few of them you can add pain to the mm. list as well Yeah. so we've lost a, a string of centres now in the 13 channel and we've. T- I've mentioned before I Earls is a superb winger like top drawer I don't think he's good as a centre but he's the most experienced guy out there that we have and if, if we're talking about someone who can step in and know all of the positioning there and what, what everyone needs to do I'm just I've got a weird gut feeling that perhaps we might see a surprise um, Really? Yeah it's, it's just who, the, Do you think Earls? Is that your Just this weird possibility and then they put then they bring in Fergus McFadden on the wing But he's playing so well on the wing why I agree would you, with you So why would you change like okay it's a, such a different position 13 like I couldn't play there at all like you know it was so hard defensively to make reads there's a lot going on so you've a natural 13 mm. who's been there done that bring him in and play him and just there. and just one change yeah and okay. otherwise that's there's so much then Earls he's played obviously he can slot in there and he covers a lot of positions but like he's playing so well in the wing leave him there if need be later on you can push him in if, if things aren't working out but for him to change his mentality of coming into 13 there's a whole lot more going on in such a big game like it's it's tough while well, oh here we go this fella's been okay he hasn't played too much rugby but it's natural for him to be in attack and defence yeah. making reads and he's and he's, he's part of the system he's already been here fine um, on a similar subject so we talked briefly last <coughs> week about Ireland's problems in with defensively so and specifically we're talking about the Italy game and the Wales game you're seeing multiple tries go in in the wide channels and even stuff which didn't actually end up in a try it seems like a weakness uh Jimmy, what are we talking about when we say Ireland are getting a bit narrow defensively and what what could you see changing this week? Um, well, firstly, I think it starts at the breakdown about slowing that ball down. Um, if when we let teams, I think against Italy, when we let teams get the front foot, get that go forward, um, we're not organised quick enough. We just need that one or two more seconds um, to get that one player and maybe push him out a little bit further away from the rook. Um, and everyone else can get into position. I'm actually, uh, actually, kind of look back on the the game the last day, and I was, I don't know if it was a bit not easy, but I just Jacob Sockdale to me looked a little bit at sea uh, defensively. You know, he's he's coming up and he's he's not making the right decisions. You know, he's kind of coming up trying to not taking the defender. He's just maybe a hit or hope. Okay, he got the intercept, great, but the try before for Shingler's try. Mm. It's a shot in the dark, and he's not taking anyone. And Parks gets the pass over the top, and it's two on one. Navidi finishes or to Shingler, but if he stays out, he can make them read. It's people are making wrong decisions. Um, again, you're you're looking at when Ferg stepped in and um, uh, Scott Williams got the offload. It's decision making is out in the wide channel. It's, it's a very tough position to to be in. I'm not going to disagree with that, but it starts for me 
around the breakdown. Like everyone's everyone so, so, runs towards. Go on. Yeah, this is what I want to get to because yeah. this is something you talked about before we went on air. We just didn't get into it on the show last week, and you said that the problem happens much earlier than perhaps we might realise at home watching it on TV. That someone someone has been dragged somewhere that they're not supposed to be maybe a couple of phases beforehand and then you see the result happen out wide I think it starts for me it starts from if there's a line break the defensive systems change completely so someone makes a, a small line break everyone's out of structure and this is what attacking teams look for most teams on a line break will run towards where the breakdown is so they'll get narrow automatically while an attacking side will keep the width and hopefully try and pick off one pass from the 9 to the 10 or first receiver normally takes out as they call it a p- uh, pillar post pivot or whatever you want to call it but like the one two three beside the rook mm-hmm. and you can see how narrow teams get when they're in a line break if you can slow that ball down you can push that little bit wider and get one more player out because it's only one player really that we keep getting beaten with like you know that extra player that the attack seem to have or short one man or someone gets caught on the wrong side and blind side and you actually have to just make sure you step in push him wider you know, and, and it's it, like as I say, from line breaks, it's it's bloody hard, you know, and that's why you've got to be a bit of a nuisance, mm-hmm. a bit of a nose. That's, that's exactly what happened in that Scotland game last year. Like you were saying, it b- depends on the speed of the ball. But what was happening was one pass from nine to ten for Scotland was taking out four or five of our defenders. So it actually looks like the guys are you know making a mistake out wide, but it actually starts from you know as you say from that pillar position taking out one pass taking out five defenders you just got to get your spacings right and then when you've got your spacings you can get more go forward and get get more line speed whereas if you're congested and all standing on top of each other um you know it's it's when you've got the likes of hog and seymour out wide <coughs> and their space yeah you, you know well that leads us on i mean we're talking about ireland defensively here but scotland are a team that can take advantage of this you know we talked about Finn Russell a lot last week and deservedly so after that that performance and that pass um, but Hugh Jones <laughs> can we talk about him again? <laughs> of course you can yeah thanks you like, you like him do you? I like him a lot yeah, yeah. man crush <coughs> uh, Hugh Jones uh, Stuart Hogg obviously I mean these, these guys can hurt any team um, so they're not a team we really wanted to the, face if the, we're trying to make those changes. The yeah. worrying thing is that Jones and uh, Hogg have actually not not Jones Seymour and Hogg have actually been. I don't think they've scored, have they? No, they've been so, actually so relatively you. quiet, haven't they? Yeah, like, they you know, have, yeah. and you're just kind of nearly waiting for them to explode. Right. But it's Ho- good. They were a decent way up on the top the, try uh, score at the start. Hopefully, of the they won't come to life um, this week. Yeah. But I think on your point, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to tactically look at that. Whether they just kind of there's one way you can kind of leave the breakdown and just have as many people on their feet as possible and fill the field mm. or we can try and go to breakdown as we spoke about before attack it slow it down and people can actually get organised and rightly say Cause, get cause, that spacing right because you can't show someone like Stuart Hogg the outside and say no but I, that's you, why you've you got can have the touchline but even the sniff but even the way Finn Russell plays he plays on the gain line he's yeah. going gonna to interest those first couple of defenders um, like normally you'd have your, your third person out from the rook is going to be on the first receiver so if one pass has beaten five players, you're in trouble. There's a defensive error straight away, mm. and especially like Finn's happy, like he's a box of tricks, isn't he? So and well, and it's not just him; they've got Horn outside him. Yeah. So yeah. that's again someone who can take advantage of uh, perhaps an Irish system not being as finely tuned in the centres as it might be. Yeah, and he'll do little chips. Um, he'll do his pass near the back. He'll do wide passes. He'll do a lot of crossfield kicks to wingers. He'll keep you guessing, and he'll try and manipulate that defence so he can get. Stewart into the game and Tommy Seymour into the game. We need to channel um, Alan Wynne-Jones. Did you see him sitting on top of Conor Murray at one stage? 
Smart play. Very good. Yeah, Mario's going nuts. But it's very Mike McCarthy-esque. <laughs> the dark arts. Yeah, the absolutely. Dark just going back. To, sorry, just going back to that defensive thing. I think um, you know. I think the they've they've been talking about it's uh, communication. Um, more communication needed because I mean the system's good. Andy Farrell's like <coughs> one of the best defensive coaches in the world, and you know the work rate's really good. It's just like the decision making so mm. sticking to the system so not going hard and jumping out the line you know just everyone on the same page sticking to the system there are other games going on this weekend mightn't seem like it but France and England this is uh, very interesting we should keep an eye on this for obvious reasons because Ireland by my maths can win the championship this weekend Le Crunch Le Crunch uh, France haven't brought back in the Le players Petit Bois that were <laughs> <laughs> versus Les Rousse Bouffes Whatever. Yeah, that, that's that French coming. It is. <laughs> coming in handy that that week you signed for Narbonne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good week, that. Oh, oh he's, you're making him cry now. Exactly. Oh, that's rough. Um, but yeah, France haven't brought in oh. their players who they dropped, and uh, England are in chaos. It seems so, reading the papers. Bastero made a big difference to them, didn't he? He, he was good. Back, he did, so. didn't yeah. he? Yeah. We, like, did, we talked with him. I mean, Bastro is a lot more than a big lump. He's a good player, good hands. He's got um, death skills, isn't he? Like, you know, for, for, as you say, for a big man, he's. And he is a big, big man. Big boy. I played against him before, and, like, literally, where, where do you hit him? You know, like, he's so solid up top, and you have to try and get those quads, like, and you're just trying to. Like, he's get a one, tough man. Get one quad. He's a tough man to put down, but, like, France use him quite smartly. He sucks in two or three defenders every time. So yeah, it's and he's if if you watch him, like he he shifts his running line very well. You know, he is not just running at a guy. He's trying to run at it somewhere where he's a little chink of room, and then he's very good at getting the ball away. He's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like and it's, uh, low center of gravity, and just as you say, if someone that big coming at a bit of pace, and if they have a little bit of footwork, you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, um, England are, uh, I think, probably perceived as being in a bit of trouble after losing uh, up in Edinburgh. Um, the papers are questioning people like Dylan Hartley's captaincy. Is it right that your captain gets pulled ashore so early in a game? Legitimate question. Uh, Danny Kerr versus Richard Wigglesworth in terms of who should be their starting nine which would be amazing given that uh, <laughs> Kerr's been in the mix for so long um, Young's injuries obviously changed things as well as Eddie Jones not picking other scrum halves along the way yep. um, even Mara Toji, Golden Child you know form being questioned uh, it's great fun if you're in Ireland but um, are these real questions or is it people overreacting to one defeat I think I've reacting they've only lost two haven't they it was in 23 games to, yeah. to Ireland and then to Scotland and yeah the performance was, was poor uh, but you know Scotland played unbelievably well and like we said they've Scotland have beaten Australia there they nearly beat the All Blacks so um, you know there's obviously plenty to work on for England but uh, I don't think it's uh, that's the thing about giving the Scottish side the respect they deserve um, I, th- I think they're a quality side and everything went well for them I mean, yeah. that, that's the key thing. You know, Scotland have reached the point where if everything goes well, they can beat um, everyone else, you know, bar the All Blacks, because no one can do that, really. Yeah, but doing that on a consistent basis is, yes. is where, where they haven't done it, which is what Gregor's trying to strive 
for the Scottish side is to consistently beating teams every week is, is obviously what they want. In fairness, it's it's not just Bet Scotland. Ireland still aren't doing this as well. This is the 2019 question where Ireland seemed to just not be able to do that multi-week exercise during a World Cup. It falls apart at one stage. So one of the exercises here with the Grand Slam is yes, winning a Grand Slam will be great. Also preparation for the World Cup. The other side of it is you don't get the two rest weeks in the World Cup unless you've got a really soft schedule. But this is where we kind of looked at the last World Cup and we had injuries and we had the frontline injuries struggled. And this is what I'm sure the uh, the notes to Joe Schmidt were like right we need squad fix, fix this for next yeah, time but, and, we, and, and it's I'm going well. we, it is exactly yeah. it's going well so is there any way that England mess up in Paris there's always a way against the French I can't really say it but it, are we are we falling into sort of lazy stereotypes well, that we say yeah, well, yeah, which we, France yeah. will turn up I think mentally France will be up for this one more than any, any other game so. can we can we move it to the old Parc de France because <laughs> that would have been an atmosphere absolutely yeah. it's, 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 uh, look I know you don't like hearing that about the French but when they, until they show something different it, it falls back into that like it's, it's annoying it really is like that but, oh which France gonna, but it is until no, my point is I'm not sure that the good France is there are those players back that um, no no. without mind you again it's France they could all be named on the team right. who knows that's it you know, like it's whatever whatever works isn't it like you know who wants to play this week Bring back Fabian Palouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got to watch out for that furniture in France as well, haven't you? Yeah. It's a lot of furniture going around. A lot of injuries from furniture. That was good, actually. I, well done to Owen Slot in the Times. He picked up, um, like, he was obviously at the dictionary out and uh, looking at Lake Heap's um, report on the furniture attacks in Scotland. It's very good. I recommend looking it up. But, uh, yeah, France have form in this. Yes, they do. They do. It's very dangerous going to bed. You wouldn't have ever had an injury going to bed. Jimmy, would you? No, no, not Mike. No, nothing, nothing that sorry, you blamed. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I've absolutely no idea what you're talking about. What's what's happened? <laughs> so the French, the, when the French players were uh, were dropped, some of the reasons given officially right. for the injuries received, yeah. and again we're casting no aspersions or doubt whatsoever, uh, were that they. Um, let's see. Hold on. Let me get this right. Um, our territory of the French lock. This is according to Owen Slot's piece. I got back to the hotel about three a.m. and I jumped into my bed. Except I didn't jump on the bed, but next to it, and I opened up my face by hitting the edge of the bedside I table. I've not heard this. You're serious? Yeah, <laughs> it, it goes on. Um, Jeffrey Pally, who had played fullback that day, is said to have injured himself on his bedside lamp. <laughs> good uh, one, eh? <laughs> WWF in the, in the rooms with it. Yeah, and of course the, the Royal the, Rumble. And the good people of Lake Keep, of course, they remember back to uh, Mr. Bastro. When yeah, he was yeah, New Zealand, yeah. When he was a young... To be fair, accidents do happen, so... That's a, that's a lot of accidents in one weekend in Edinburgh. That's a lot. A lot of hotel accidents, yeah. Yeah. Furniture, that furniture. So, yeah, recommend that piece, it's good. Um, okay, uh, we will leave it there. We'll be back with your Twitter questions and a bit of news on an interesting deal with Harlequins and New Zealand rugby. Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day. watch the start fall off for 40 minutes come back see the end perfect you know what I mean you've missed nothing really remember Rod Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room one for you for Cheltenham <laughs> like every red blooded male in the country he'd be watching the horse racing whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day. 
You're welcome back to the Hard Yards Rugby Show. As always, subscribe to the show on iTunes and all good podcast apps. Get us straight to your phone. Uh, before we get to the Twitter questions, uh, this is a really interesting little bit of news this week about a deal between Harlequins and the All Blacks. Good bit of business. It is. It's smart, well, isn't it? We'll, we'll see. So for anyone who hasn't see it, seen it, I mean, there's, there's some good stuff out there. There's, of course, there's the media release stuff everywhere. But, um, Alex Lowe in The Times has a good long piece in it. Uh, some of the New Zealand media have good work on this as well. Um, in a nutshell, you'll, what the New Zealand Rugby Union have done is they've said, "Okay, well, we're losing, um, we're losing All Blacks and the layers below the All Blacks hand over fist here. Uh, they're either chasing what they might term a sabbatical, or really they're chasing money and contracts, and they want to try and control this." So uh, Liam Napier wrote about this in. I'm gonna, I want to get this right. I think it's the New Zealand Herald. I think so. Um, about a month ago, he said, "Look, they are planning this. They're planning official link-ups with teams around the world. I think both in Japan and in Europe. Um, Harlequins are the first one to formally be named. I think, but now you're going to see someone like Nick Evans uh, go to New Zealand, get some coaching uh, experience there under the uh, New Zealand Rugby Union, to then probably go back to Quinns with that bit under his belt, and then also seeing it in the player level as well. So." New Zealand trying to control the player drain. What do we think yeah, of this? It was saying when I was reading it this morning, it was saying that the the academy players going over to get my to ten um, mm. and vice versa. So, you know, that's great for the players to yeah. get that experience and um, the fact they share a sponsor. I think is a big part of it as well. Adidas, this is Adidas. Um, yeah. And then it's 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 for the All Blacks will be training at the Stoop before they play England. That's that's the gist of it, isn't it? But also the other side as well. I think it's the Kiwi players coming over. Obviously, it's great exposure for the like to get the academy guys going down the summer. It's going to be great for them. But I think, as you say, the Kiwi players coming over. Um, if they're taking a sabbatical, they can control them. They're going to London. They can maybe, with our partnership, manage the player as much as they can. Yeah, and perhaps not close their own door on being selected for the All Blacks. Yeah, you know, I mean that that's a big decision. If you were leaving New Zealand, they have been cast iron saying, well, sorry, you're turning your back on the black jersey. So this seems to be a slightly different way. It's not going to the McCaw level of formal sabbatical because yeah. you're not taking time off rugby. You're just saying, listen, off you go. Yeah, You don't want that player drain, do you? And, no. And go, right, if you're gone, you're gone. So. Well, again, I think they're, I think they're like, trying to get in front of this. I, yeah. It makes me think, I mean, would would Ireland consider it similar? I just, I just noted that there. Like, did it not come up that they were looking at the kind of fifth province in... Oh, it's come up a few times I think when Bob Casey was at London Irish it was mentioned to, to maybe get, like establish a, a foothold there where you could maybe set up a partnership that way to get players over there And Was that not what Secret Agent O'Gara was doing at Racing no? <laughs> yeah, along those lines yeah but it's look it makes sense as well doesn't it like would, yeah. you want the more players you have especially from an Irish perspective the more players you have getting that uh, top level games uh, game exposure it's obviously going to be beneficial when you've got a, a conveyor belt of, of players coming out of Leinster say and there's only so only so many players can go to Connacht or wherever like and to have them go to England different, different game completely different game actually and look they're exposed to that and they come back better players if need be but it's again if you can control the players so, uh, I refuse that's a huge it. on player control player welfare and that's it so the the, the best well, correct me if I'm wrong my opinion would be that the best version of this we saw was uncontrolled it was Leo Cullen and Shane Jennings going to Leicester yes. and coming back hardened they'd got the experience of, of everything um, but that wasn't controlled uh, what you what would be ideal from the IRFU point of view is if you can release those players 
and you know they're coming back in two years with that experience and you also have to have something in there which I assume that New Zealand rugby are doing and saying well you can't just flog the guy yeah. every week yeah. you know yeah, part of the deal be, is you don't want to be the Johnny Sexton playing matches and even Greg Leglaw playing for Claremont like you just you play last week and then right bang straight over playing yeah. with Claremont and just as you say flogging the body getting your like they don't care you know so no exactly I want my uh, we've, we've paid for this yeah, piece yeah. of meat we're going to use it yeah fair enough yeah professional game isn't it um, Twitter questions there's a lot I think people were very very glad to get some questions in on the snow uh, first one the news of the week well some of the news of the week what are the likely options for the IRFU with regards to helping Ulster and who are the possible head coach options this is from David Jono Gibbs gone well, Les yeah. Kiss gone well, I've worked with both coaches, Les Kiss and John O'Gibbs. So I worked with Les Kiss with Ireland, and he was defence coach then. And he's he's a great he's a great coach. He's a great great attitude, uh, loads of energy, and um, you know I think you have to as a as a defensive coach. Uh, so I really enjoyed working with him. So I'm sorry to see he he's gone. And then I worked with John O'Gibbs my first year at Le- Leinster, and again. Um, one of the best coaches I've ever been coached by. Uh, real hard-nosed guy, and you know, gets the best out of the forwards. So, you know, I was, yeah, I, I thought it was great um, when he, you know, when Les left. I was thinking, well, you know, can build a team or a squad around John Gibbs. So, you know, it's from the Ulster perspective, it's sad to see him go because, you know, he's he's a great guy. So. Um, yeah, no, it's it's, it's tough for Ulster because uh, to lose John Les then Jono. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be clear, Gibbs is there to the end of the season. Right? Yeah, like yeah, Kiss yeah. is gone <coughs> immediately. Um, but James, it's not brilliant if you're an Ulster fan sitting there. You're just looking at it. It looks like a mess. <laughs> it looks like a mess, and it's <laughs> I think it is a complete mess. Yeah. As you say, I, I I worked with Les as well and thought he was brilliant. I thought like when he was going to go up there, he'd. He'd actually bring them on a hell of a lot, you know, and get a bit of structure there. But it just seems to be that no matter who they're putting in there, it's it's not the right fit for some reason. But be it something has to change behind the scenes. Um, I think sometimes you got to look at the structure as well of of Ulster. Like I, I know um, that their underage system isn't great, you know. Um, I know if you finish school up in Ulster, um, there's I'm nearly one hundred percent sure that there's no under twenties system at all so like we come out of school here or, or wherever your clubs and you go in to play every club will have an under 20s system um, also don't so you come out of uh, school and you go straight into like a Dungannon first team or whatever there's no under 20s there's no step and sometimes that's too big a step for players um, and, and it's shown underage like you know that there's not many Ulster players involved um, with the Irish 20s and well I, th- I think there's, there's a really good piece published this weekend by um, The Demented Mole I don't know The Demented Mole's name but when they write Mike I McCarty. read it's <laughs> very good is it you? have you been writing under pseudonym all no, these that's years? Not my, uh, that's not my name this is a few thousand words on the current position of Ulster Rugby and one of the things the mole hits on is this jump from under 20s up and it's the lack of academy products in the current Ulster squad and it's a consistent thing so he's seen players I'm assuming it's a he by the way sorry he or she is seeing players who are doing really well at international under 20 level for Ireland and they just don't get to the Ulster full squad Um, really good piece recommend looking it up best thing I've seen on it yet Um, 
there's another I'm going to leap straight to another question because it's related uh, journalists have reported a reason for the lack of academy development in Ulster is the quality of the club sides in AIL in relation to AIL stroke A games how much of a difference is there between them Drew Davis but this thing we were talking about before there's no Ulster sides in the top division of the AIL no and they used to be used to have your Dungannons Belfast Harlequins Ballymena they used to be strong sides and packed with Ulster players okay that was a while ago and things move on but it's disappointing, you know, like you kind of see these sides and they can get back there, but like, I, okay, A games, A games are okay, like, you know, and... What's the difference? Not Would you prefer your player playing on an A game or an AIL game? AIL? Yeah. I would, like, you know, it's, it's it kind of hardens you a little bit more, I think, playing in, in or UBL now as it is. Sorry, like, you're right. No, UBL. Yeah, but it's... UBL. <laughs> but it's like, it does, like, you're kind of, you're, you're coming out of school and especially young lads and, like, you've got to have a gap in between if you're going to play 20 some are going to jump up straight as I mentioned earlier straight to their senior squad but yeah. you're going but to have that, to that doesn't happen often yeah it's but you need rarity. a stepping stone yeah. of right kind of out of school like it's a different game like a bigger players smarter players someone's, someone's players. sitting on you exactly I mean, but like it makes you I mean, some of these A games I think I personally I think anyway, are a bit of a waste of time I'd prefer to if they play the UBL but maybe that's because I'm involved they're stopping the LV Cup next season aren't they so hopefully there'll be more players available to play AIL. Mm. Oh, really? Okay, well, that's that's good. That's the shambles of a thing, like, isn't it? But, like, it's amazing how what, like, what, clubs target that. Hold on. Shambles? Too strong? Yeah, I know. It is. It's yeah. a strong word, James, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the amount of money they put into it, like, at Saints oh, no, beforehand, yeah. we used to, if, if we won, we used to send the kids out, um, or the younger lads, the academy boys, to, yeah. win, to play the first game. If we won the first game, we threw our hat at it because financially for the club you made more money than winning the premiership like there was that much money in it Jesus yeah so like you know yeah it's, it's like our chief exec like right team's going to be stacked now the next week so the lads like thanks for that one game you made us win so there goes <laughs> our free weekends and you're like alright <laughs> uh, next question and next news story from last week uh, with Jamie Heaslip retiring does that make more cash for Leinster to go out and sign another big name player for next year that's from Gav Sadlier no he's centrally contracted is it entirely IRFU funded? Was it, Mike? I'm not sure, um, but it's obviously going to free up some cash somewhere, anyway. Somewhere. Uh, yeah, um, like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, but um, he was centrally contracted, though. Yeah, he was, but uh, I, I'm not sure the ins and outs of exactly how it works. But you know, all this, I know is, this what is a, very diplomatic. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, you know, he's just he's just going to be a big loss, isn't he? Because uh, say nice things about Jamie. Well, yeah, he's. Uh, well, it's all it's all been said, hasn't it? But um, I mean, he's had a phenomenal career, hasn't he? And he's, uh, you know, not only that, he's a great great bloke as well. He's off the field. He's he's a, he's a he's a top guy. So he's pretty much achieved everything in the game and uh, a, C, a CV that most of us could only dream of. So um, you know, sad news because you know he's a guy who never really did get injured, yeah. and um, I suppose all the lads talk about how he. You know how professional he was, and in everything he did, how he prepared, what he did when he left. You know, he didn't just come in and train hard. When he left, you know, he he ate well, he he stretched, he slept well. He he was the ultimate professional, and you know, he was a great role role model for the younger lads. And you know, a lot of guys, especially at Leinster, um, are ultra ultra professional now. And a lot of that it would be down to you know looking up to Jamie as a role model. But it's I, I heard Brian Driscoll say that it was on the Lions tour. He never once was in with the physio. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's unbelievable. Like, that's yeah. unbelievable. That's yeah. it. I remember. I, I read that somewhere as well. It, that seemed the strangest, strangest thing. That was on the South African Lions tour, I think. Was it? I don't know. Which I'm one almost it was. certain it was. It was the South African yeah. tour. I'm. I hope I'm right yeah. about that. Oh, that was, that was like. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Not even for a massage, like. No, yeah. but that's well, good. It, but that proved well, it's all his, his old man's uh, an army background, so that's that's where it must come oh, from. Sure, no tough, tough, tough as old boots. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was he like to play? You played against him, Jimmy, not with him, but um, <laughs> he, he was always that one who never like kind of looked like he was that lightning pace or anything. Or but Jesus, like he was a tough man. He was a, he read the game so well. Like yeah. I used to struggle against him a bit. Um, from John O'Donovan, is it time for the Pro 14 to look outside of the competing countries for refs? Should each match have a neutral ref? Uh, I I I have a view on this. I think referees are their own like it's their own with their own nationality. They're referees. They're prof- they're paid to do a job. You're saying they're neutral. I think that they've got more on it. Like their career is in the line. They're being assessed. I don't think that having neutral refs for the cost implications alone is a huge deal. It's would it be ideal? Yeah, it'd be great. But I will say there, there was a weird change about ten weeks into the Pro 14, where suddenly the games over in South Africa started having all South African teams of officials whereas up to then they'd send across a couple of non-South Africans but uh, does it make a difference to you guys where the referee's from when you're playing? Don't, don't really even think about it to be honest no. uh, all I will say is that my old chum Frank Murphy is uh, is doing really well with the reference because it's great to see uh, former Leinster and Connor and Munster uh, former Leicester Leicester man yeah, yeah. not Leinster but uh no, it's great to see him doing doing so well with the, with the refereeing. So I think he's really enjoying it, and he yeah he's doing great with it. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's great to get those ex players back yeah. in doing that, especially I think at nine. And Frank's done a great job, isn't he? Yeah. To be fair, there seem so. to be a few scrum halves. Yeah, on Carl, the pathway, Carl Dixon as well over yeah. in the UK. I saw he was on uh, he was running the touch for Wasps against Irish yesterday. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's look long may continue. Do you ever consider it now? He'd be a good ref. <laughs> like a standing in the middle who, ref- who, refereeing from the middle who would be the better ref between both of you uh, probably me why would you say that greater knowledge of the game um, fitter um, all around intelligence uh, yeah intelligence fitness right. um, would, yeah. You, would you command the respect though yeah of course Yeah, well, you disagree disagree oh, okay. we'll, we'll see you. be running <laughs> you'd have to be mic'd up imagine. I'd <laughs> love to get you oh, mic'd up wait for me wait for me wait for me Sharon <laughs> who's Sharon <laughs> it's Karen mate it's Karen yeah. make next sure qu- to next, use next question next question We're, we could be out of time uh, no make sure to use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to qu- get a question in for next week so Thank you. Thanks to James. Thanks to Mike. Thanks to Alan McNan for producing. And Shane Dempsey was on sound. We'll be back next Monday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud, and every good podcast app to get us straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening to the show. And we'll talk to you next. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) See ya. The Hard Yards. Brought to you by Sports Joe.